welcome to Radio Life Ray episode 18. My name is Olaf Koch, and in this episode, I spoke to Michael Young. Mike Young is CTO and one of the founders of LifeRay. With that, the honorary Brian, the missing one in episode 12, when I spoke to the other founders, uh, and you might want to listen to that as well. One of the other duties of Mike is that he is the project lead for LifeRay Sync, which has recently been released. And you will find all the relevant information for Sync on the product homepage that I will gladly link from the show notes of this episode. Um, we have recorded this conversation in the beginning of December in LA. Um, and the release of Sync has been February 1st. With that, um, yeah, I'd like to add some additional information. Uh, in fact, you will find quite a bit of information about Sync on that product page especially uh, questions about uh, licensing and marketing and the positioning on the market of this product. Uh, this is mainly because this all has not yet been finalized in December when we spoke about that uh, or when we spoke about the topic, when we sat together. So these questions were not asked or not answered or whatever might be in this uh, podcast uh, that is not technical information might have changed already. So I'd like to encourage you to actually look at Sync and look at the product information page. Another thing that I would like to do, uh, and that's unrelated to this episode, but related to all of the episodes that we have, is I would like to get some feedback on your perception of Radio Life Ray. Um, I have some, I have had some in, in person, um, and well, many of you are uh, subscribing to Radio Life Ray through iTunes or through other means. And if you have some opportunity to rate there or to give feedback, um, you can also do that on the blog on liferay.com or incidentally on the new homepage for Radio Life Ray, which is uh, liferay.com slash radio. Um, I'd like you to actually provide this feedback and to give some suggestions on whom you would like to hear on Radio Life Ray. Up to now, this has mostly been limited to LifeRay employees. Well, not really limited, but it happened to be mostly LifeRay employees. But the podcast is actually not limited to that. And I have already scheduled a few conversations with community members uh, that will appear in the feed in the future. But I would like to know more. I would like to get your ideas on what you would like to see in this uh, podcast as well. So please provide that feedback. Please provide the rating. Please make iTunes aware that there is actually an audience and, uh, well, please rate it because they currently believe that not enough people have rated the podcast. And I would like to see how you do rate it. Okay. With that, uh, without much further ado, let's go into the recording for this episode. And uh, here's Michael Young. Welcome to... Radio Life Ray, new episode, uh, new guest, and this is Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hello. Mike is one of the founders of Life Ray and interested in quite a lot of interesting projects right now. Uh, but, well, why don't you introduce yourself first and then okay. we'll see where we go from there? Yeah, uh, well, I'm Michael Young. I am um, I'm the CTO of Life Ray, and um, I've been with Life Ray since um, 2000, early 2004. Naturally. Naturally. As a founder. As a founder. <laughs> Some yeah. of our founders came a little later than that, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. So I was actually the, either the, I was the first employee after Brian. 
Platz. Ja, okay. Ja. Das ist Brian Singular. Brian Chan. <lacht> <lacht> that is. Yeah. It's actually quite an interesting story how that actually came to be. Mm -hmm. um, I knew Karis in college. Mm -hmm. And while I was in college, um, and she had already graduated after that, I went to church here at Gateway where our current office is. And I met Brian when they started dating after they came back from a missions trip. So that's how I met Brian. Mm -hmm. So maybe a year or two after that, um, when, when I graduated college, uh, I was working in a, uh, I, guess a, I guess a defense contracting company. And I was starting to get a little bit bored because um, just of all the red tape and government work, um, I was just sitting on the computer and Brian IM'd me and asked me, uh, would you like to help me with uh, this client? I, I need some more help. And I said, sure. Um, I'm kind of, kind of bored doing what I'm doing now. I was actually pondering a career change to a culinary school. So um, I, tried it, I tried it out. And um, initially, I was working two jobs um, mm -hmm. with Brian. Uh, and then also with the defense contractor. And um, after six months or so, I quit the uh, defense contract contracting job and went to work uh, for Life Ray. Or actually, what we call Life Ray then? Not sure. But in either case, uh, I started working full time after that at our first client. Uh, it was like Oakwood Corporate Housing. Mm -hmm. I would expect the name to be there because the project was named Liferay all over since 2000. Right, the project was named Liferay, but we had changed our names or corporate identity several times at some okay. point. At one point we were just we may have been even yeah, we were like Liferay LLC and then we went to Inc and back or something like that and then mm -hmm. at some point uh, when we had several, many more employees we, we settled on Liferay INC. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what's the story behind uh, Liferay suggesting you have to use EJB for your marriage? Wow. So when I was about to get married, um, it was starting to get really popular that time for people to start building wedding websites. Back then it was kind of like, oh, that's really cool because not many people did that. So um, as a learning exercise, I wanted to build my own website using web applications because I had not really done so much of that, especially in Java. So I took it upon myself to learn how to do that and um, build a website using, uh, you know, servlets and, and those kinds of things. And Brian suggested for me to use EJB to do that because, and I, I thought that would be a really good idea for me to learn that at the same time as building a web, wedding website. So that's what we did. And he helped me. Um, he actually gave me um, server space to host. So he hosted it for me. Mm -hmm. So I would just send him the code after I had you know, revisions or whatever. And uh, that's how I learned. And then, so after I did that, he realized, hey, this guy can actually uh, can actually do some coding. Um, so that's, I guess, that's how he decided to, when he was going down his list of uh, people to IM to see if they could help him, um, you know, once he got down to me, he, uh, and it, and so once he got down to me, I decided that, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like mm -hmm. to join him. So that's kind of how that came okay. about. Okay, so it was not about a high scaling, high scalability website for. for no, not at all. Not at all. It was just about um, learning something and finding a reason to to use it. So I had a okay. good reason to use it. Oh, it's understandable. Yeah. Kind of a geeky approach there for uh, yeah, marriage. Exactly. But well, I'm married now. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> succeeded. <laughs> yeah, and I guess still to the same woman. To the same woman, and now I have uh, two kids. 
Okay, back to LifeRay, back to your jobs here or, or coming to your jobs here. Um, you've started as, well, consultant, contractor. Um, yeah, as a consultant, then, yeah. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. done quite a bit in LifeRay. Uh, quite a bit. What's your main areas there? What have you been, uh, been working on? What have you contributed or what's your code here? Oh, uh, like as of now? As of now, as of through okay. the history. Yeah, like, so through the history, I started doing through the history. I started doing as consulting work, and mm -hmm. then um, when our adoption started to increase, people started to ask for uh, support. So um, I naturally, as a founder, we kind of you know everyone did everything. So I've had my hand in support and sales and and those kinds of things, but uh, I realized that I was really bad at sales, so um, I only did that, that for, for a very short time, and after that, I, uh, at some point, I, I uh, diverted off to just uh, focus on engineering, where I think you know, I'm natu more natural. Mm -hmm. So and where will we find your, your name then? Uh, right now, as of now, you'd find my name um, around the Life Resync project and Open Social and uh, WSRP. Mm -hmm. So I've had my hand uh, in different places amongst those different projects. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that matches well. Apart from WSRP, that matches well some some other episodes that we've done. Uh, let's start with Sync, my personal pet peeve. All right. Uh, where I've given Alex and Sergio uh, some uh, some bad time. Uh, mm -hmm. Adding to that, uh, Dennis who tried to explain why there is no Linux client for Sync. And now I have you sitting in front of me and, uh, well, you state that you're working on Sync, you have been working on Sync mm -hmm. or uh, are the project manager for that. Uh, when do I get a Linux client? So, yeah, so yes, I do oversee the uh, Sync client. And yes, I do confess that it is my fault that there is no Linux client available currently for for sync yeah i found the guilty one yes and you're not the only one to complain jorge has complained to me min chow has complained to me so um i, I i'm strongly considering uh putting something out for linux in the future um Very i mean good. currently as as the code base is it 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 theoretically supports linux so uh, more, it's more of a qa and kind of a testing kind of thing to make sure that it does work and mm -hmm. that we make any adjustments that we need to make sure that any Linux specific issues are resolved. So, mm -hmm. but the reason we did that was because our, we, we believe that our, uh, our customer base is, you know, 90, 95% going to be using windows and Mac. So we're going to start with those first to make sure we have those covered. So, yeah. Okay. Well, kind of correct answer. <laughs> Well, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, we have to uh, start somewhere, and we can bite off everything at one time. So we chose what we thought the majority of people would initially be using us would be using. Yeah. Okay. Then I understand the assumption again, or better, or whatever. And I've got your commitment. Yes, you have almost. my commitment. Um, and we already have had, we already have Min Chao taking a look at the Linux side, and he's already committed a few fixes for it. So uh, look forward to that coming out. Uh, we, we have to get it out for Windows first, so let's. Uh, yeah. We're trying to try to focus on it's, getting. It's not yet out for Windows. Yeah, Windows all. and so Mac, so we're yeah. trying to get that out first. Okay. But uh, look for that in the next coming month or so. Okay, coming month is actually something that, uh, given the queue that I have uh, right. in recording, uh, is probably the previous month, yeah. uh, unless it's delayed. So let's hope that by the time you listen, by the time you're listening to this, it should already be out. Okay. Um, so for the records, um, this is another episode that we record during or right after the annual retreat for LifeRay that is beginning of December 2000 and 
11. Um, yeah, and we're meeting in the LA office here. Um, okay, then let's continue with the other project, uh, which is Open Social, where you did the initial implementation. Also something that is being covered uh, kind of in depth in the in the episode with Dennis, mm -hmm. um, so some episodes ago. Uh, while we're recording, this is not yet published, but it's the next uh, scheduled. Um, so beginning of December, go back to the beginning of December to, to listen to Dennis, um, who's the current maintainer of that code. Uh, but you did the uh, initial part, um, like when was it and and what what did you do, do there and when did you hand it over? Okay. Yeah, so I am the original implementer of uh, the open social functionality. I don't exactly remember when that was started. It must have been sometime maybe mid-2009 or early 2010. Mm -hmm. I think it was early 2010. Anyway, um, I started doing that and then um, at some point uh, handed over Dennis and he's taken it to a whole other level that I, I never got to mm -hmm. take it to. So Dennis has done a really good job with open social so we got most details from him yeah you got the most details from yeah. him but uh, i'm still involved with the, uh, you know with the with the project that um that we extend that we build off open social which is the shindig project so mm -hmm. um i try to stay involved with uh with that uh that that project to make sure that we're involved and that we're um a part of that community as well mm -hmm. okay uh, well, this goes topic by topic uh, quite fast. Uh, let's talk about the one, uh, well, the one area that I know you most okay. for, uh, like the guy to come back to when there is any question about WSRP. Sure. Um, you're still quite heavily involved in that, as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with a short explanation. Uh, what is WSRP? WSRP is a way for um, another is is a way for one portal to access the portlets on another portal. That's the, probably the simplest way to explain it. Mm -hmm. So basically, you can um, basically can get the content from another portlet on another portal onto your onto your portal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, the abbreviation is web, web services. services for remote portlets. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. The WS is quite clear, and then and then the yeah, other one remote portlet. Once you well, hear it, it makes sense. Quite close, yeah, yeah. Um, and we do implement that in well. There's the standard, and the standard is kind of nice because there are, uh, starting from a standard, you can have so many variations from that, like hundreds or thousands. Um, and uh, that's the basic part where I see you involved. Um, so we're working compatible with all the other different competitors portals um, which is where I see uh, WSRP typically uh, being used there is a legacy portal and uh, we want that content in LifeRay um, there might be an SAP integration there might be any other implementation that is being done in, in well in, in any of the other portals um, is this the, the main area of uh, uh, or the main use case for, for WSRP is it like I have a legacy portal and I don't want to um, I don't want to migrate all the portlets or is it rather I don't know something something else uh, that's that's probably the main use case that I've seen for WSRP I've also seen some use cases where people or other clients have written um, or exposed um, 
their functionality via WSRP and allowed us to consume it that way. So, I've, so just a regular application? Yeah, I've seen other people expose regular applications as WSRP. Mm-hmm. Not a, not, yeah, not, not the most common, but I've seen it in at least two or three different cases. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice way to bring something into a portal. Right. On the other hand, kind of an indirect. Yeah, and it could be also, when I've seen the implementations, I've seen them, sometimes it seems to be, it might be, it seems it'll be a little over-engineered sometimes, but... Um, It, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starting from there, what's your experience with um, standards compliance, with compatibility, uh, even when standard compliant, um, is WSRP just working out of the box with everything and everywhere or mm-hmm. is, is it uh, quite the opposite? So do you need to do something to make it work or is it typically it works and there is quite a little bit to, to maintain? What's the status? Yeah, it's never worked out of the box after we've implemented it. Every time we've uh, wanted to make it work with uh, one product or another, we've had to make adjustments according to the different nuances of how they've implemented the specifications. And mm-hmm. that's basically what we've seen across um, um, any of the specifications we've implemented, whether it's the, you know, the obviously the portal specification, the portlet specification or WSRP or um, JCR or any of those things. It's pretty much the same story across the board. Okay, the typical part for standards. Yeah, typical part for standards. It's, it's rarely works just by implementing the standard, you have to basically test it against the container or whatever third party you're trying to integrate with. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the what's the current status there? So is it still under very active development or is it just occasionally fixing some things or uh, like do you, do you happen to stumble upon the code every week or uh, only rarely, only in support cases mm-hmm. or Yeah, currently the WSRP functionality is more or less in maintenance mode, but um, we do, um, I do actively get uh, requests from, um, especially our support our support department requesting us to make sure that it works or they have issues with certain clients or something like that. So we have to make fixes or occasionally implement a small feature for uh, a client to make sure that it's working with their with their particular situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would say that. Um, I touch WSRP maybe once every other week or something like that, or I have to deal with some something around WSRP, whether it is actually committing code or or just helping someone out with it. Mm-hmm. That's about the state that I would have expected. So maintenance, yeah. but still active. Yeah. But we are seeing Mostly. quite strong demand for WSRP, more than I had ever thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we... The hi- throughout the history of WSRP, I guess we should we can kind of go through that. Mm-hmm. Originally, we had used the uh, I can think it was the WSRP for J project to implement our, our um, WSRP functionality, mm-hmm. and at some point we um, we we moved from that to the uh, to a Sun the Sun implementation from Sun Microsystems, mm-hmm. and um, that that paved our way to actually just writing the whole thing ourselves so now the implementation is written um, um, purely by LifeRay mm-hmm. and I, I did most of that uh, implementation mm-hmm. and since doing that it's given us a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to customize it and extend it for um, for our community and for our customers so mm-hmm. it's been beneficial and ever since we've done that we've seen that the adoption for WSRP has been very strong and a lot of people uh, since then have um, ramped it into production We've seen most of the, most of the, um, in terms of um, the use cases, we've seen a lot of the large 
uh, banks and those kinds of things, those kinds of companies with uh, more legacy systems really adopting it because they they uh, had been using WSRP in the past or that's how they've chosen to integrate um, some of these older applications. Mm -hmm. um, as there's two portals involved, so we're embedding one portal or one portlet from one portal, uh, well, one portlet from one portal, that's a mouthful, uh, into another portal. So we have two portals involved and they communicate to each other. Um, is there any significant overhead or is there just the, the, bare necessi the barely necessary overhead? Um, what's the, the price tag and kinds of performance there? Yeah, the, the price tag in terms of WSRP is, um, there definitely is uh, a level of overhead involved especially because you're running a quest um, from one portal to another portal and if uh, you know anything about portals a lot goes into each request so if you're doubling that mm -hmm. or doubling that plus the overhead of WSRP then you're going to see some you know performance degradation rather than just going to that portlet directly mm -hmm. so um, you know we have to we do have to implement some tricks in terms of like caching or um, on on the on the producer side, the other the remote portlet, they have to do some smart implementation of, of that portlet to make sure that it's as, fish, as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. So, do we see um, different performance performances with different backends, or are they more or less the same? So, I'm I'm not asking for specific names like right. hey, portal vendor A is half the speed as uh, portal vendor B, mm -hmm. uh, but is it is there a significant uh, difference that uh, you you experience with the different backends, or uh, is there is that something where where everybody is kind of on the same in the same order of magnitude in terms of performance? Yeah, there are definitely differences between um, the different backends. Um, it really depends on just the overall efficiency of the uh, other portal or system that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, it's on the order of magnitude as just talking to any any web service. So if the web service uh, performs slowly or doesn't doesn't respond quickly, then you're going to see a you know a lower performance for that. So what a lot of times what people do for the slower ones is they may um, they may enable the parallel rendering feature in LifeRay to allow um, the WC port, WSRP portlet to render um, asynchronously so that they don't have to wait for all the other wait for that content to start displaying the content on the page. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I'm always wondering uh, without really looking deep into the implementation I've always looked into uh, what we can see on the portal but never into the implementation another part there is uh, the the amount of data that goes through the wire uh, like it always sounds uh, counterintuitive that uh, more than HTML will go through but uh, I see you puzzled so I might better start the question uh, over uh, no, when, I understand, when I, I understand when what I, you're saying. When I, when, I embed a, um, when I embed a different portal, a portlet, for example, a demo portlet from somewhere, I can easily embed a demo portlet that shows me all of my user data um, that is not even available on that external server. So I can connect to an external server that gets my whole user identity, name, uh, and so on, or that at least has access to that. Um, and I'm wondering what kind of data goes through the wire or what's the nature of WSRP? Um, is there just a half a megabyte of, of data sent over with each request or uh, is it a 
bidirectional uh, project uh, a protocol where the embedded server can ask the originating portal for user data, for example, or uh, the context, what's on the page, uh, what's the API there? Yeah, so the API is basically, you can think of it as a, a tip, it can be like, it's basically like a typical HTTP request plus some other data. Mm -hmm. um, the protocols, since it's a web service, a traditional web service, it's done using a SOAP protocol. Mm -hmm. So you'll see the uh, HTML being wrapped around, um, you, being wrapped around uh, um, some XML. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it basically is, you'll see the uh, HTML plus whatever the overhead is. So yeah. it could be any contextual information or anything that's related to the navigation of the page or um, anything like that. You'll see that in the wire and then some, some custom uh, uh, HTTP headers and those kinds of things you'll see in the, in the wire. And there's a whole, is there, like when I see my user data being embedded in the remote portlet, Uh, is there like half a megabyte of context being transmitted with each request, or is there some way for the for a callback from uh, this? This is where uh, where I don't like the audio podcast. I would like to show a diagram. Like, oh, uh, sure. Okay, how, how much? Yeah, uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, though, what's, what's the nature of the protocol? Yeah. Is it just a call, and then you get a, a return? Or is there some bidirectional uh, negotiating? Once the connection is established, you could easily have a yeah, back channel. Yeah, so I can start with, uh, I can even start before that. Before you even make a request for content, um, the originating portal will ask the uh, producing portal for its list of portlets. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the contract? Do you um, expect? Um, do you expect cookies? Do you um, want the uh, originating portal to actually submit a registration of to basically register with the producing portal? And then once that's done, um, you basically on the consumer side you would um, set up um, you would set up you would set up and if you know which portlet you want, you'll you'll basically ask for those. And then mm -hmm. once that's done, you add it to the page, and that's when the communication to get the content actually starts. Mm -hmm. And when you get that data, um, you'll you'll you don't get half a meg of overhead, but you'll get some levels of overhead. It won't. Yeah. It's not huge, um, but it's sometimes it depending on what you're asking for. Sometimes there's a little bit more because if you're asking for localized data, you have to send. Sometimes it sends back all the languages at one time rather mm -hmm. than just one language. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's part of the overhead that part we of the see overhead from is there. Uh, embedding an external portlet. Right. Is, uh, yeah. Well, there, there has to be quite a lot to go through the wire. Yeah. So that's that's some of the price to pay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not it's not such a large overhead that it keeps people from using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's just worth it because uh, just replacing a whole new or a whole existing infrastructure with uh, just implementing everything new uh, is not really an option. Right. If only for, uh, on the short run, because mm -hmm. you can go live immediately and then, well, work on the performance pain points, uh, like wherever you suffer performance, uh, you can do it native and do the rest just remote. Right. Um, so I'm, as, I'm, as I'm big in proposing uh, incremental approaches Uh, instead of big bang approaches that take half a year or a year, uh, just be quick. 
uh, be out there, use WSRP if necessary, and get rid of it later if that is mandatory. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we see that people begin with WSRP and then they move to um, some of the more emerging technologies to pull in externally, such as using open social to to uh, pull content in a mm-hmm. different way. Yeah. Kind of a different way of thinking, but... Um, as as we're moving along with technology, we're trying to encourage people to move to use some of these newer technologies like open social to to mm-hmm. get data from different services and mash them together and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's another another way to think along that you really think if you're thinking like in traditional portal uh, lingo, um, there are open social things quite a lot more. Right. Um. As I think that's um, what I have on the list for my uh, for this, um, let's go back a bit. Uh, thinking about about uh, yeah, like open social, WSRP, sync, um, EJBs at your marriage. Uh, is there anything that uh, you would like to add that we didn't yet speak about? Um, have we talked about, um, or has Dennis did Dennis talk about um, what's what we're planning to do um, past open social and what we're planning to use open social for in the future? I actually can't remember quite a lot. Why, why don't we? Okay. Just so for um, Liferay 6.2, um, we're going to take the base that we've built for open social, which is um, be allowing people to um, edit open social um, gadgets on the fly mm-hmm. and basically push them to the portal on the fly we're going to uh, we're thinking about building a uh, separate product um, using open social as its base technology mm-hmm. um, basically like a, a mashup builder uh, for doing those kinds of things so we're planning on building um, kind of a mashup product to allow people to use open using open social as as, uh, as the as the core base to basically pull data from different sources and kind of plug them in using a, a nice uh, um, kind of builder UI to uh, to put those things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really thought through um, the specifics, but that's one of the things we're planning on building uh, in uh, 2012. As you say, that's um, a new product will that be a product based on LifeRay portal or a separate separate from the portal? Uh, is a product on the marketplace? Is a product completely separate? Yeah, the current thought right now is to build it as a marketplace product, as a plugin, mm-hmm. similarly to how we have Social Office built as a plugin, mm-hmm. so that people can just download from the marketplace and say, "Hey, I want a mashup builder. I want to, I want to be able to pull in data from all these different systems and and pull them together and display a nice dashboard of um, whatever you like." Mm-hmm. So that's that's the current thinking right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when it's on the marketplace, it's not even tied to the release cycle. So it might even be earlier, might earlier. be later than yeah. than six two. So it yeah, might it even might be, be earlier. available for six one. But I take it that work has not yet really started, or not intensely started. Not yet started, but we've done we've done a number of research, uh-huh. a, a, quite a bit of research, looking at what's out there and what. Um, what we're trying to do to build uh, functionality that end users can can use to build um, really productive websites without um, needing the help from developers to do that. Mm-hmm. Is there any specific disclaimer we should add um, as we're talking roadmap features here? Um, 
And with every roadmap feature, I typically see the disclaimers. Uh, yeah, this you might have happen, the, this might not. Yeah, uh, we'll have that typical disclaimer. Yeah. May happen, may, may might not, but there's a very good chance that we're yeah. they'll be doing that. Yeah, and yeah. we don't know. We don't yet know when. Um, yeah. Anything else to add? I don't think I have anything else. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's wrap it up. Okay. And uh, always remember, uh, if you want a scalable wedding, uh, you might want to consider EJB. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the way of the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Olaf. <laughs>